Welcome to Open Science Stories, where we explain open science concepts using stories. My name is Heidi Seibold. Today's story comes from Antica Chulina, who works in animal ecology. She tells us about her struggles to get information from other researchers, her own path towards open science, and what she has learned from it. In 2015, I attended my first open science-related event. At that time, I was, as I like to believe, a serious scientist doing a serious PhD at a serious institution. Yet, I have never heard about data journals, also didn't know much about open data, open software, or open peer review. I was on my way down the path of an evolutionary ecologist. Yet, something has happened on this that led me to the point where I am now. So this is basically the story of how I went from knowing almost nothing about open science to working and advocating for it in my field, ecology. I hope others can find some inspiration from my story that is marked with excitement, struggles, breakthroughs and understanding of others. So I always loved animals, and that is why I decided to study ecology and ended up doing a lot of fieldwork studying birds. This was back in my home country, Croatia. Croatia has such beautiful landscapes, amazing seaside, and of course, an impressive bird fauna. Soaking my feet in the Mediterranean Sea, in between ringing shearwater chicks, was not a bad life at all. But at one point I wanted to do a PhD. After many, many applications to many, many different places, I was really overjoyed when I was accepted for a PhD at the University of Oxford in 2010. My PhD was on divorcing birds. <laughs> Imagine, it was quite fun, actually. And while I'm certain that everyone listening to this would love to hear why do birds divorce and whether humans divorce for similar reasons, the rest of the story goes into a different direction. My supervisor suggested that I do a meta-analysis instead of a classical literature review chapter that is usually the first chapter of the thesis. When you do a meta-analysis, you try to find all the studies that have been published on a certain topic, and then you analyze their results in a kind of a global analysis, so that, that's why this is called meta-analysis. For this, you really need to carefully read each study to be able to extract information that you need for your meta-analysis. Sounds straightforward? Well, this was surprisingly more difficult than I could have ever imagined. More than a half of the studies that I wanted to use did not report their findings fully, and even worse, some studies reported contradictory information. So what did I do? Well, I have tried to get to the original data so I can fill in the gaps. I was again naive. Is it easy to locate emails of the authors to ask for the data? No. But I did manage to still locate most of them. Great. But then many did not reply to my email, and half of those that did could not remember where their data was, 
or maybe they remembered that they left the data on the floppy disk somewhere below the pile of papers in their old office. I think this was kind of a turning point for me, imagining all of those data on birds collected over years and with a lot of skill and care, just to be used in a couple of papers and lost forever. While I had a lot to keep busy working on my PhD, this little bug kept somewhere at the back of my mind. How can we lose all of this data? Can we fully trust published studies? Is there anything I can do about it? And this is exactly why in 2015 I have attended my first conference on open data. And this was the final eye-opener. From then on, I was really hooked on open science and everything it can offer to us. So my next step was into unknown. I got a position to lead a project on the use of open data in meta-analysis and fully embarked on my open science journey. I had a lot to learn and it was exciting time for me. I have tried to attend as many open science events as possible. I also started to use Twitter much more as I realized that open science is a fast-growing field and for a complete outsider, as I was at the time, this turned out as one of the best ways to learn more, stay updated and become known. It was also refreshing to meet people outside of the uh, ecology and evolution community. But this was worrying, because apart from a few scientists from the fields with big data, such as genomics, it seemed that a large portion of scientists were missing from these open science events. Similarly, I've never seen anyone representing the open science side of the story at a specific ecological or evolutionary events. Luckily, this has been changing since, and I'm proud to play a role in the change. Over the last years, I've worked on several projects related to open science, such as helping ecologists to find open data, organizing open science symposia and workshops, becoming a member of several open science initiatives, and establishing spybirds, uh, which is something that I'm really very proud of. Um, SpyBirds is a network of researchers and a database of all the data collected on breeding populations of birds in the world. We get these data from researchers, then put the data into a standard format, do some quality checks on the data and attach metadata to this data. In this way, anyone can easily locate the existence of the data. However, the data are not open, but they are fair which stands for findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. Meaning that you can find them online and you can find information on how to access the data. But for the most of the populations hosted at SpyBirds, you would need to get a permission of the data owner in order to use the data. And maybe this is where I'm going to end. So when I started to work on open science, I was really full on to making all the data open. With time, and talking to researchers, I have realized that this is not equally easy for everyone, and that open data can actually bring further inequality between groups. For example, if you have a very large and strong group that collects data on birds for many, many years, this group has a large people power to also analyze these data, as well as financial security to continue their work. So even if they make their data open and somebody else analyzes these data, it will hardly harm the group. 
But then imagine a small group that was just established last year and whose performance completely depends on getting papers out of the collected data. So basically, together with cultural change within the research community, we also urgently need the change in how we value scientific output, which is not only published work, but much, much more than that. Okay, let's see what we have learned during my open science story and what to um, get as a home message. First, enjoy it. Learning new things is fun or should be fun. Listen to other people's stories, connect with people from other fields, attend open science events, join open science clubs or start your own. If you do not have a Twitter account, I warmly suggest opening one. Open science is a vibrant field and following some key players can help you to quickly get on the top of the developments. Second, do not judge others for not being open to open. People come from different backgrounds, face different constraints on openness and have different support system. In the current world, open does not have to be equally fair to everyone. Thank you for listening to Open Science Stories. Thanks to everyone who supported the show today. Thanks to Leah for editing, and of course, to Antica for telling us your story. My name is Heidi Seibold.